Okay, good morning. Uh, another Saturday morning. Just finished up breakfast here, and I think we'll pick up. I think, Albert, last time we talked, you were in Fort Churchill just kind of saying your goodbyes to your uh, girlfriend at the time, um, to much tears and whatnot, and about to board a train off to bigger and better things in Sudbury. So we'll kind of pick up from there. What can you recall from that? Well, uh... First of all, when was, do you remember when you were, uh, you left Fort Churchill? Oh, that must have been, I would say, June, July, maybe August. I don't, yeah. it is so far back, 66 years, a yeah. long time. Uh, funny thing that uh, even though I don't remember that girl's name, that Eskimo girl, mm -hmm. Inuit, um, I will never forget those dark eyes with the tears in it, uh, looking so helpless and I felt guilty. I, I felt like, what kind of a bum are you to do that to look at the poor girl sitting here in this wilderness because that's all it is. It is a town right in the middle of nowhere and uh, there is the railroads, the only thing in and out are no roads going to. There were roads in, in, for, in Churchill and there was some kind of a road going to Fort Churchill and there was vehicles going back and forth all the time. But the, the railway was only connected to that. That was the only link to the outside world. And uh, I, somebody told me once there that, um, he said, you know, there's a lot of criminals around here. I said, well, what would they do in, in, in Churchill, in Fort Churchill? The government, why don't they pick them up? And, you know, throw them in jail. Uh, at the time, uh, the death penalty was normal, and I never gave it a second thought. But at 22 years, you don't worry about the death penalty unless, of course, you're facing one. But uh, uh, they, what they told me is, when people can get as far, flee justice, and get as far as Churchill or any place near this, they are left to themselves and. Either they behave and work and be a credit to the society or they perish and they meet the ultimate end that they should have been given in the first place. Mm -hmm. So one way or another, leave them be. You never know uh, what, the, maybe the guy has a lot of, uh, a lot of things on, on his conscience, but maybe uh, he just had bad luck. We don't know. Uh, uh, you can usually tell by the face or if you talk to them for a little while. Mm, uh, I don't know about that guy. It, uh, but anyhow, I... So you were fleeing for Churchill? Uh, no, I was... <laughs> uh, I was fleeing from the rage I was making because uh, it was not quite uh, what I thought I would find in Canada. Mm. And, uh, of course... Uh, I wasn't thinking in terms of 10 bucks an hour because yeah. at the time $2 was very well paid. Uh, but uh, I thought that uh, my fortune was somewhere else. And this was a stepping stone. The government... Uh, uh, well, the government gave you the first job, so they got you that. So anything after your cook job in Fortune was up to you to find, correct? Yeah, I, the government was obligated because I paid my own yep. trip. The government uh, guaranteed me a job yep. 
if see if uh, yeah, if so you, you got your job and they're kind of their yeah, job is done and then it's that's it. You. So from there on, I'm on my own, and I knew uh, when I left when I decided to go to Sudbury. Somebody talked about Sudbury and you know the nickel mines and the money they made, gotcha. and that's where I'm going because uh, pretty soon we're gonna have that winter coming in, and it's a heck of a lot longer up there than it was in Sudbury. Although in Sudbury it is a lot longer than it is down here, yeah. and uh, I wanted to go to that two dollars an hour, potentially two fifty. Yeah. So boarded uh, the train. How long was the train ride? You remember? I don't. I know that the train down didn't take as long as the train up, yeah. because the train up uh, it stopped at every little community mm -hmm. or almost hut. Mm -hmm. so to speak, in the middle of nowhere. But those were trappers and whatever, uh, uh, natives who uh, made products that the Hudson Bay Company could sell yeah. in the south of, of Canada. And uh, they get the skins for furs and fur coats and what have you, uh, and artwork. And in, in turn, they... Uh, they bartered their stuff, yep. like they got flour and sugar and yep. clothing. Although they, uh, I saw very little clothing up there uh, under the, 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 the regular people, not in the army, of course, but the regular people in Churchill itself. Uh, the, the, they were native to Churchill, yep. uh, that they made their own clothes of whatever was available in nature, uh, but uh, so the the train line that went to Sudbury went. How many stops did it make? Uh, I think it stopped in the Bar, which is halfway between Winnipeg and Fort Churchill. Mm -hmm. It may have stopped in Warbaden, which was still north of the Bar, uh, and uh, but. It only made two or three stops just to let some people off who were not going to Winnipeg. Right. See, I had to go to Winnipeg and from there I switched to trains to Sudbury. Okay. And uh, so uh, it didn't take all that long and I, I, I only had to wait a few hours in, in Winnipeg to get on, to get the other train going. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I ended up in... Uh, and uh, I stopped, I, we stopped over in Winnipeg long enough for me. It's funny that uh, I wanted to get out of the immigration. I'll get to work, get, start working on my future. When I was in that immigration hall, yeah. uh, going to my first job. But I had a desire to stop in there and see if there was anybody still there that, uh, uh, that was there when I left mm. a few months earlier. Mm. Of course, there wasn't, but well, you never know. Mm. The same as uh, seeing that guy the first time. You never know. Right. It's a needle in the haystack. Anyhow, I went in there and, you know, of course, there was nobody that I knew. But uh, uh, then I, it was time to go to the railroad and head to Sudbury, which I did. But I don't know how long it took. Yeah. But uh, I get to Sudbury 
at the railroad station and I talked to whatever and I'm standing there with making a small suitcase. Well, what am I going to do? I'm a Sudbury. So I asked uh, some guy that I saw, uh, where is the employment office for the nickel mines? Why, uh, they owe you uh, pay? Uh, no, I was looking for a job. Not this morning, are you? I said, well, yeah, I just came from Fort Churchill. Didn't you hear? I said, hear what? This morning they laid off 963 people <laughs> in Sudbury, in the nickel mines. I said, you've got to be kidding. I said, no jobs. And all of a sudden I thought, you know, it was 38 cents an hour, but it had more than room. Okay. Uh, but it started to seem like a lot of money again. But here I am in Sudbury, and uh, uh, that kind of a layoff in a town like Sudbury at that time, that that was, well, there is no way as a total foreigner coming in here and getting a job. But fortunately, I had something to fall back on. I had uh, my Dutch electrician's license, mm -hmm. which carried some weight, and I got a job with a guy... Uh, a small private electrician, not a big company or anything, and uh, mainly domestic, like wiring a house or uh, wiring up a basement or adding a dryer, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was great, but, uh, and it was 90 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. It was not all that much money, but, uh, well, at least I got a job. Wait a minute. Yeah. They just laid off 963. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever, when are you going to be happy? You should be glad that you, and I was telling myself, you uh, uh, ungrateful bugger, mm -hmm. you got yourself a job, be happy with it, anything. So I started to work there and he got a job wiring a couple of houses in Levac. And Levac is a community that was 40, 40 miles, was about 60 kilometers north of Sudbury. Mm -hmm. And uh, beautiful country, beautiful country. But we went with the group. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we sit in this van kind of car and we go to Levac. Well, you go where you're told. Right. And uh, I enjoyed the work and uh, I just loved going to work and coming back from it. The scenery, I saw mountains, considering that where I came from back home, there was no mountains or nothing. That's all flat, all kind of like delta. Mm. And I was born above sea level, but more than 40% was below sea level. Mm. And uh, so uh, I saw those mountains and it was so God awful big. I couldn't believe. Uh, sometimes it took an hour to see the next house or the next village or town. Mm -hmm. And I, more so when we went from uh, from Winnipeg to, to Churchill, right. uh, the farther north you go, the sparser the populations. And you get, you see those people almost like wild animals coming out of the forest and they have their bundles of s stuff and they go to this uh, 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 
uh, Hudson Bay wagon and they're trading back and forth. And that to me was a fantastic experience. I, I just loved every moment of it. And sometimes you could make eye contact and you smile or wave mm. and it was a human being like it was not a black bear. And, uh, and I had the same sensation when I went to Levac and back. It is a, a different, and at the time, of course, I was not used to that kind of la landscape. Mm. Don't forget, I never saw a mountain before in my life. Right. There was no such thing back home. We had hills, mm. and some that didn't deserve the name hill, but we called it a hill by lacking a better heap of sand. Mm. So, uh, Did you stay anyway, in Levac while you were? Uh, I was contemplating looking for a boarding house oh, okay. uh, because uh, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. But why should I waste my time traveling for an hour or more up and down and be in a boarding house? To me, at that point, it didn't matter where the boarding house was mm -hmm. and who was running it. As long as I had a bed to sleep in, roof over my head, and uh, food on my plate, and uh, but uh, it never happened because I was working away, and uh, that was when I started to consider looking for a boarding place. But I didn't all have that much time mm -hmm. because we are finished working. We get in the vehicle and we go back to Subway, mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, so it's maybe a good thing because, as luck would have it, that is karma or fate. Um, we're working away there, and this fancy-looking guy comes up and uh, uh, you work here. Yeah, what is your trade? Uh, electrician. Oh, um, how much you make an hour? Ninety cents. Why wouldn't I tell him that, you know, it was no secret, it was no, uh, I didn't have to feel guilty about it. He said, well, uh, that's not an awful lot of money. I said, well, it, uh, it feeds me, it clothes me, uh, it does me, so uh, I'm quite happy with it. He said, uh, how does a dollar twenty-five sound? I said, fantastic. I said, but I'm not going, I just started uh, maybe a month or two ago for this guy, and he is very nice to me, he's very good to me. Mm -hmm. So I am not going to look for anybody else. Uh, under the circumstances, I like to wait until it's spring and then I can see what I can do. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's getting to be late in the year. And well, he said, You can work for us. I said, Who is us? He said, Well, uh, I represent Coal Electric. Well, uh, he could have said, uh, John Blow or Jack Straw, that wouldn't make any difference. What did I know? Yeah. And we are from Arnprior. Yeah, well, that's another bit of, uh, is that in BC or is that in, in Newfoundland because, or anything in between? Mm. Where did I know where Arnprior? I never heard of Arnprior. It happens to be close to Ottawa somewhere. Mm. He says, and we have a big project here in the nickel mine, and I'll pay you $1.25 an hour. I thought, holy mackerel, that, you know, $1.25, mm -hmm. 35 cents an hour more, well, that is, uh, well, it's, well it's, that's it's, hard to say no. 
pay increase. Yeah, all in one shot. And uh, it didn't seem like uh, like a big enough company that could afford to pay it, mm-hmm. it seemed. But uh, there I really learned the truth of the saying, never judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. The guy comes in there with big leather coat on, fancy car, and mm-hmm. oh, look at the money going around there. No, 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 you never know. But anyhow, I started working for them. So you uh, were working in Sudbury in the nickel mine then? For the no, no, I never worked in the nickel mine. Oh, okay. It was in, uh, not as a miner. Oh, I worked as an electrician no. above ground. But yeah, for in, in the nickel mine area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Levac was part of that, yeah. uh, that vein of nickel. Gotcha. up in that area. So, uh, uh, Levac, I spent a lot of time uh, working there, and uh, I started working for Coal Electric, and uh, it was going great. I really liked it. The, it was a bigger job. It was more industrial, right. and uh, uh, which it, it felt to me like the same as the difference between an, an electrician in my hometown or the shipyards in Rotterdam. Right. That kind of difference. You know, the shipyard may, may not be pleasant mm-hmm. uh, in some ways, and it was far away from home, but the money was better. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the work you had to do was totally different. Even the tools you had to use were different because hydro on, on the boat is uh, DC and on, on land is all AC. Anyhow, uh, I started to work there, and I, I felt good. I thought, well, that was a lucky break. The guy couldn't have come at a better time. Now I'm gonna have a bit of money. If things go wrong in the winter time, I got some money to see me through, mm-hmm. because uh, well, I didn't come here with, with a bank account. I just uh, with a suitcase full of hope, and. Uh, I worked and I worked and I worked and at the end of the third week, at the end of the first week I said, uh, by the way, I said to the foreman, uh, when do we get paid? Oh no, no, he said, uh, we just got paid and you get paid every two weeks. So at the end of three weeks I was getting my first pay. Hmm. Oh, well, okay, uh, what choice do I have? Uh, there's no point in arguing and I... I work and I work and the end will come and there's the consolation. They do the saving for me. I can't spend money that I didn't get yet. So I had to really, uh, uh, for the long term, and uh, the day came that the guy came in from Arn Pryor with the paychecks Mm -hmm. because today is D-Day, we're going to get paid. And man, a dollar twenty-five at times, and I was already calculating, and uh, it was euphoric. I never saw that much money uh, all together at once in this country. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting and waiting like a kid at Santa Claus time, and there comes that dark car, comes weaving down the road, and the foreman goes up there and. And I'm sitting there rubbing my hands. I could feel the the, the dollars coming, and uh, I'm gonna have to open an account because they were talking about uh, your account. 
uh, I was used to getting cash money. Right. Back home was always cash. No banks or anything. And the first bank that I saw on the inside was in Canada. Never, never saw a bank inside in, uh, in, in Holland. Anyhow, I, uh, we are sitting there waiting. We couldn't leave until we got our money. And we waited. And then the foreman comes. The guy drives away. And we couldn't tell whether anything changed hands. Mm -hmm. And he comes and he had his head hanging down as if he, he uh, maybe he got fired himself for whatever reason. And he comes down and so we are sitting there full of hope and waiting for the paycheck. Well, boys, I got bad news for you. Hmm. He did get fired. Uh, there is no paycheck. Just like that, he spit it out. Mm -hmm. And he might have had spit in my face when he's, there is no paycheck. Wait a minute, this is three weeks. Yeah. This is the moment of reckoning. This is the moment where I'm going to get that, that pile of money that I never seen the likes of. And there is no paycheck. So when are we? So uh, what happens? Uh, uh, is he coming back next week? No, there is no paycheck, he said. The company went bankrupt. Bankrupt, bankrupt. Where's another term? Bankrupt, bankrupt. Don't tell me they're belly up. And sure enough, they were belly up. So he said, there is money. I said, but they owe me for three weeks. He says, I know they owe me too. He said, but there is no money. There is no paycheck. There is no more job. You're done. It's finished. So we went back to Sudbury mm -hmm. and uh, empty-handed. We had no money. And it was just bad for the others because they needed to support their family, yeah. some of them. I only needed to look after myself. And uh, so uh, what am I going to do? I. Uh, I started to like it in Sudbury because the, when, I, when I got there, I got to go back a little bit. When I arrived in Sudbury, I bought the paper and I looked for uh, uh, boarding, boarding houses and there is ads and ads and ads of it. Mm -hmm. And I picked one, I picked one out and one was with a Dutch name mm -hmm. and I thought no matter what, uh, at least uh, I don't have to talk English all the time. Uh, I can have spurts of being able to talk Dutch because it was just having come over a lot easier. I still had to do too much translating mm -hmm. in my head. And yes, that was fine. Turned out they were from the same province. So I moved in there and that's from there I went to work for the little electrician who gave me the 90 cent an hour So is it, like, was it their house you boarded in? Was yeah, they, they had a bungalow there. So just you as a boarder? Or no, they had a couple more boarders. Okay. Uh, and then they had, uh, they had themselves a son and daughter. Mm -hmm. And the daughter was, I think, 19, and the son was 17 mm -hmm. or something. Anyhow, uh, um, everything was going fine, and uh, we used to go to... The old man used to like wrestling, mm -hmm. and uh, we 
the borders, uh, you got to come along. And I was the newest kid on the block, so yeah. you got to come along, you, you see. And tonight, you go, oh, this guy, he's a mean bastard. And uh, Hans Schmidt is his name, you know, and uh, he said he's German. And you can tell by his neck and the way he was made out to be like some kind of a monster. Mm -hmm. And he has no mercy. He never loses. And the things that he does, and then the referee, and, and then I said, you, how long is it going to take? He said, well, it, it takes uh, what, an hour and a half, but then we got to go there and come back. He said, but it's worth it. I said, no, because I'm wondering, uh, since you like tomatoes, why do you put tomatoes in your pocket? You sit there eating tomatoes while you watch. No, he said, but if that bastard pulls one, he says, I want to have a tomato to throw at his head. <laughs> oh my God, what the hell country is this? So and I say there was no wrestling in Holland. <laughs> no. Okay. No, well, uh, amongst us kids. Yeah. When we were small, but yeah. professional wrestling. Okay. No. Well, and if that Hansmith didn't come up, and he had boots almost halfway up his leg, and uh, and he looked like the meanest assassin I ever saw in the war. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's going to be a fancy house you do. I want to see that. And then the, the other guy, he was a nice guy. He was American, and he, uh, he radiated friendliness and quality and goodness. He was in there for for the fun, mm -hmm. but uh, he was uh, he had to fight against, and I mean fight, not play, fight. Mm -hmm. That's what we were to believe. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they they get in there, and this Hansmith he had his head bowed down, and as if he's looking at the floor, and he's watching the guy's feet, and he's ducking out of the way, and then all of a sudden they grab him and they go to the floor, and then they hit the floor and. Then the referee comes in and they get up again and they start all over. And then Hansmith, sure, according to script, he he put one and that you had the certain holds that they are not allowed to. I didn't know, but the landlord explained. See, he should have never done that. And it serves him right that and now he gets pointed against him. And he got he he was ready to start using his tomatoes. Yeah. And uh yeah, well, I could tell that it was not a nice thing to do, but the whole thing of wrestling and throwing them to the ground and into the ropes and against that pole in the corner where they fall down like a sack of potatoes, mm -hmm. uh, that didn't seem the right thing either. So, uh, well, it must be all part of it, but I thought that they were serious. Mm -hmm. I really thought that uh, this could end up in death. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, it went on and they go back to their individual corners, come back to the center. And sure enough, he pulled the same thing. Then this American guy, he gets hold of Hans Witt, he gets him on the floor and and they were screaming, beat him, kicking, you know, do the same thing what he did to you, which is illegal. No, he wouldn't do that. He had to hold up a good picture of himself. And, and that went on and on, and finally the landlord had enough of it. Uh, I got to go and help him, so out come the tomatoes, and you <laughs> see the eggs coming from a different direction, and the mess on the floor. It was horrible, but we had a lot of fun. Anyway, that was 
my wrestling experience. Mm. I've never been to another wrestling since, but I've seen it on TV. Yeah. But anyway, I uh, I had a good time, but I thought that was nice, and I could. There was very little difference between his Dutch dialect and mine, mm -hmm. because we were what thirty clicks apart back home, right. and uh, which also made it a little bit easier. And uh, one day I come home from work, and. Uh, there is mail in my room, on my dresser, a little uh, cabinet-like uh, bedside. Mm -hmm. And there was mail, and it was open. And what is air mail envelopes. Okay. And, no, I don't leave my mail sitting around. I put it away in my suitcase, because uh, I don't want anybody to read my mail. Mm -hmm. It could be from whoever. So, and I wasn't getting all that much. And uh, I questioned, I went to the landlady and I said, there is a letter and that came today because I never read it before. And then she started to act kind of childish, shy. And uh, she said, I couldn't resist. And I wanted to know what you were writing about uh, with your girlfriend, because Francine's name was on there. She, uh, we were still uh, a pair, let's say. And uh, and I, I said, but it's in my mail address to me. And then she started to uh, to defend herself. Wait till my husband comes home, and I'll tell him what is in that letter. And I thought. There is nothing in that letter except that I said that uh, I wrote Francine that uh, they, well, early on when I first got there, they have a son and a daughter and they are from our same. In fact, Francine's town was closer to them than mine was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, I would, don't worry about it because I would never go out with her. Uh, and, you know, you got to, you get your regular uh, childhood kind of mm. romance letters. And, uh, well, and Francine wrote back that she was happy that I was taken to my, and I'll be glad when I come to Canada. And when do you think, and, you know, the regular stuff, right. because I was trying to make the bed for her to come to Canada. Mm -hmm. supposedly anyway uh, I didn't think that the old man he, he was a bricklayer he was not that big of a guy but uh, I didn't want any hassles and I thought the temperature will never be right in this household again so I packed up everything that was mine and I went with my two suitcases and went in town and I looked for in another paper, and by then I was more familiar with the area, and I looked for another boarding house, and uh, Dutch didn't make any impression on me anymore. So uh, I saw a French-Canadian boarding house, and it was right in the middle of Sudbury. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, 
I still may have the address somewhere. But anyhow, I uh, I phoned there. I said, do you take on any borders? Uh, yes, and I would I be able to uh, board at your place uh, come today? Because I need a place for today. Yeah, for sure, come on in and, and I'll show you around. And if you like it, you can move right in. Well, that was exactly what I was looking for. So they had, I think I made number 12. They had 12 boards. They had a big, big house, all kinds of rooms, upstairs and downstairs. And they had a couple of three girls helping out, making the beds, doing the laundry, uh, doing the cooking, doing the everything. You know, they look after 12 guys. And, uh, well, the, the landlady at that time was making enough money from the borders that she didn't have to work, and that is what she elected to do. And even her husband didn't have an outdoor job. He mm. somehow, uh, between uh, they, the, the two of them could live, live on the income of the borders. Yeah. And they weren't cutting any corners when it came to serving uh, meals because it was two hot meals a day a lunch pail that that uh, only like my appetite would finish. The uh, most people wouldn't finish what was in there, and uh, uh, yeah, and there was a little bonus. Uh, those girls, they were of course also French Canadian because. They all talk French amongst themselves. Right, they're not part of a family. They're they were, no, no. They were hired, yeah. but uh, and they they wore a black uniform. Like uh, I didn't. They, they, they was a difference. It's like going to a hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like it is. Oh, that is my daughter Susie, and that is uh, Katie. Uh, no, these girls. They they were introduced by their names mm -hmm. and. Uh, well, they make the bed, they do the bed, so you get the routine. And uh, including in that, they were, of course, finished at some point too. And uh, if anybody wanted to go to the movies, and if you could speak their language, mm -hmm. then you were on. And uh, fortunately, I, uh, my French was almost the same as my English show, I thought I'll try. And uh, sure enough, the one I picked, yes, and uh, what movie do you want to see? And uh, I don't remember what movie it was. Mm. Uh, I remember we went to the movie, but that's about all. And and I not because I was drunk, it was uh, for a different reason that, you know, like uh, here I am coming with my last saved pennies mm. from Sudbury and uh, uh, from uh, from this guy that went bankrupt, and I'm going to the movies. Meanwhile, I had another job again, and uh, it never took me long to find another job. That was the advantage of having a trade. Mm -hmm. It is good to have something behind you that you can fall back on. Anyhow. Uh, uh, soon enough, uh, it got colder, and winter starts earlier in Sudbury than it does mm -hmm. farther south. 
and I tried to flee the winter as much as I could. And uh, because even when we were going to Levac, it was getting cold. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to Toronto. Meanwhile, I found out that Toronto and Oshawa was not too far apart. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to find the guy that I was chumming around with back home, who I knew was gone to Oshawa when I thought he went to Ottawa, but he was right, there is an Oshawa. Yeah. And I lived there, so I know for sure. So, just a, I just want to kind of, so I know you, you landed in Sudbury, mines down, and you got a job with the first electrical company. Yeah. And then you went to Coal Electric in the back, and then yeah. you lost that, and then you got another job back in Sudbury? Yeah, it was another yeah. smaller. And he, what he also did mm. is appliance repair. Mm. And uh, that was quite the challenge, but it also gave me a chance to be inside, like in yeah. the workshop, so right. to speak. Uh, if something had to be done, right. somebody had a short circuit or needed a new fixture, right. or they wanted to have a vacuum cleaner demonstrate, something like that, mm. I could do that, but otherwise I would sit there and uh, rewind a little motor. There was a lot of, at the time, you didn't throw anything away. Yeah. If the motor was burned out, you rewind it. Mm -hmm. And I had learned that back home. And rewinding is rewinding no matter what. So you landed in Sudbury somewhere around June or July. Yeah, and yeah. And then you mentioned you were heading out to Toronto. How, what time was that? that it, it, it must have been November. Okay, so just you're just starting to get into the winter time then. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then when you were in Sudbury, you first stayed with the Dutch family. And yeah. then you switched over to the French Canadian yeah. Hotel. Boarding house. Yeah, it, oh yeah, that was a. And then, and that, so when you left from Toronto, you left from that boarding house? I left from that boarding house. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have gone to, uh, if I had stayed in Sudbury, I would have stayed there. Yeah. But uh, it was fantastic. The food, boy, you could take as much yeah. meat as you wanted. Yeah. It's not like here's your meat and here's your meat. Yeah. No, you, uh, it's on the table, help yeah. yourself. Now, do you remember the French Canadian girl that you took to the movies? What her uh, name was? I remember the face, yeah. but the name really yeah. doesn't. Uh, Did you go often to the movies with her? Or? No, I only went that one time. Yeah, the one, one date. Because I didn't, uh, yeah, the one date. Yeah. Uh, not indicative of uh, it went wrong. It yeah. is just that I wasn't there long enough, mm -hmm. uh, and you can't uh, uh, take them out every night yeah. or every week even, mm -hmm. because. Uh, but the other guys like to go to a movie too sometime, and it is nice to not have to go alone yeah. and it is a lot nicer to share a movie with a girl than with the guy yeah. so uh, uh, that's why I thought this is right up my alley you know that you get food clothing yeah. on top of that okay. I uh, the room I was assigned the landlady said when I came there uh, I don't have single rooms like for one person only. The room that I have for you is you have to share yeah. with another gentleman. I said, well, it doesn't matter if, uh, mm -hmm. well, he is a Canadian. Mm -hmm. She said, actually, she said he is an Indian. Oh, okay. I thought, Indian? Oh, man. I get to 
live in the same room with an Indian, a whole new experience. Mm. And uh, so I come in there and all oh, could you tell he was Indian. And so we got to talk and then he never worked because he was status Indian and the government kind of have to look after him. But uh, he was doing okay because his brother was an architect in Sudbury. And he would uh, see, that was the guy that wanted to get ahead mm -hmm. and he became an architect. We had this guy, he had worked at work, but then he found out he was older, I was quite a bit older. Yeah. And uh, uh, he discovered that uh, I can get around if I'm not too demanding on the money that I get from the government, mm -hmm. just like welfare. And uh, so we introduced ourselves to each other and uh, so uh, you live or you know while he was living little ways outside of Sudbury and he was telling me about his childhood and uh, how life was, was for him as a kid and he was uh, telling me about the parents being worried about the kids being taken from them because they that. But I didn't understand any of it because why would anybody want to take the kids away? Right. That was a foreign concept to me. So I didn't question it and I didn't want to ask for explanation. There must be a good reason for it, but I just left it at that. But I could tell that he had not always the nicest kind of upbringing. early childhood. Yeah. His upbringing may have been good, but very very native, like very indigenous. Yeah. And, uh, but he was a very nice man. And uh, of course I read those stories about Indians and whatnot right. as a kid back home. And the Indians uh, in, in those storybooks, they wore moccasins, mm -hmm. never heard of the world before, but they could sneak up on you and put the dagger wherever they wanted. And you never knew who held it because they they were just songs. They had a very soft tread. Anyhow, one time I'm sitting there writing a letter to my dad, and uh, I have this little light on the desk. You have a kind of a desk in the room that we both could share. And I'm writing away, and then all of a sudden I hear this voice over my neck, Homare. Uh, it's, I thought I was alone. I never heard the door open or close. Mm -hmm. I never heard any footsteps. And all of a sudden, I remember Witte Vedder. Witte Vedder was an, a native in one of those books by Karl Marx. Mm -hmm. And I devoured them. They, they were extremely interesting. Anyhow, that is uh, what I saw him as from there on. Yeah. He is Witte Vedder, which means in, in English, white feather. And Karl Marx was a lifer. He was in jail in Germany for murder or something. And he started to write books about Indians and he never left Germany in all his life. Mm -hmm. And I found out later, but he wrote books as if he had lived here at that very time. And that's why I never forgot uh, the stories. But uh, anyway, we got along great and uh, I enjoyed it, and when the day, the day came that I decided to go to Toronto, mm. uh, I he said our goodbyes, and he says, if you ever come out this way, 
don't forget, he said, because I, I live here all the time. He says, I've already been here for a couple of years. Mm. You know, a couple of years uh, or a couple of weeks. It's a big difference. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I thought, well, someday I'll be back here because I still had no idea, I, a bit of an idea how big the country was, but uh, surely I was going to go back to Sudbury. Yeah. I got there, why, why wouldn't I come back? Yeah. And... Uh, so just and just kind of kind of get transformed. So you've landed in Canada, and you've gone to Fort Churchill, and you were in Fort Churchill for till I would say July sometime. Right. So you're <clears throat> half a year. Uh, oh, about three four months. So the, by the time you go to leave Sudbury, how long have you been in Canada for roughly? When when I leave Sudbury? Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> Uh, I would say about half a year. Right, so half year, half year in total. So by the time you landed in Quebec City, yeah. taking a plane, or not yeah. a plane, sorry, train to Winnipeg, yeah. to Fort Churchill, to Fort Churchill, to Sudbury, you're talking yeah. that yeah. short period of time. A lot of time. Yeah. yeah. A and a time. lot of experience of things that, even with the books that I read, yeah. nothing was what I exactly. had pictured it to be. Uh, uh, I could have known, but uh, my my dream, my expectations yeah. were in my way. I'm going to Canada, it's a great big country, and uh, in another year I can speak fluent English, yeah. and I can send money to Dad, and uh, I can send him something that we don't have here. You know, all these big dreams, and then uh, you get married, you get your family, yeah. and Everybody, this is another thing, uh, no matter who, but most people, almost all people, drove a car. Mm. Back home, it was the doctor, and if there was a lawyer in town, then he might drive a car. But the doctor was the only one that I ever saw with a car coming in our village for local traffic. And... Uh, uh, the rest was uh, through traffic, comes in one end, yeah. out the other. We were in on their path. But uh, here, that was common. They go to work and they go with the car. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, we go on the bike and if you have nickel-plated uh, rims, you had, oh, you must have money because nickel-plated rims on, on your bike that you go to work with, uh, only the the well-heeled could afford that. So uh, it is all a big, big, big change. You know, we are still talking about 1954, which was everything considered right after the war. Right. Uh, that's the reason why I, I left there in the first place. Yeah. So I'm just, again, I'm just trying to, so you've been into Canada less than kind of a year. Yeah. <laughs> you've hit different places. A half a year. Yeah. So and I was on my way to Toronto. So at this time, so you've been in and you've gone through several different jobs, several different locations. Now you're still corresponding, it sounds like, with your dad as well as Francie. Oh yeah, with uh, my brothers and sister. Yeah, how, I, any, how were their feelings or how were you, how did they feel about you being happier in there? What was kind of that uh, kind of communication like? Uh, uh, we would love to, to see you again. Dad talks about you all the time, but dad thinks that that uh, we will never see you again, and that is how it was in the past. And 
uh, well, everybody, everything goes by boat, and if you're lucky, you could make it working on the freighter. And then you got to work your way across, and your travel is paid for by your work. Right. And then you get your food, of course. Mm -hmm. But that was, uh, and there was no way that, uh, no, that was convinced that the kind of guy I was, uh, I was like uh, Omer Grad, my uncle, yeah. and that kind. Uh, it's one-way ticket. We'll never see him again. Right. Life's an adventure, and you're off doing your adventure. Yeah, I was uh, <clears throat> looking for adventure. Yeah, uh, more than anything else, and a lot of it. Yes, yeah. it was uh, adventure. I, I wanted to see more of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, during the war, I found out that the world was a lot bigger than right. our country, right. and. Uh, so uh, it didn't matter. I was very lucky that I was alone, mm. and I. Uh, but your intent at this standpoint still is to establish yourself, oh. build up a bit of a nest egg, and still have Francine come over. But gee, that was in in the future. It was still right. in the undetermined future, right. because uh, 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 not at the point when I went to Toronto, it was already over because. Uh, since you asked, yeah. I was in Sudbury yeah. in that big boarding house right. and uh, nobody opened, opened my mail there mm -hmm. and the letter was nicely sitting on the last show. Oh, it's a letter from Francine, I could see it right away. So I opened it up and in it she says, uh, with different header, mm -hmm. uh, 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 where is uh, uh, you know the boyfriend girlfriend yeah. kind of addressing that is uh, dear Albert mm. you know like uh, uh, dear sister yeah. or dear brother or something yeah. Yeah. and uh, uh, there's something wrong yeah. but whatever and I started to read and on the weekend I was over at well, a couple of weekends ago, I was over at my sister in Limburg, and uh, they had their yearly fair on, <coughs> and I went dancing. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, why, why wouldn't you go dancing? I couldn't go dancing, first of all. I didn't care for dancing. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I wouldn't know where to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was a I didn't need dancing for excitement. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of excitement in daily life, uh, negative and positive. So, and then she said, and I met this guy, I danced with him, and I danced with him more, and then he asked me out, and I found out uh, his dad owned a brewery in that town. Mm. Dad owns a brewery, and her dad really liked to drink. Yeah. I had to please him once in a while to so-called take him out yeah. and I would play billiards mm -hmm. while he's sitting there heaving him yeah. and so I thought uh oh so then it said in all fairness yeah. I have to break it off because yeah. I am now going out yeah. with this guy yeah. and it is just like a slap in the face here I am in a strange country a strange town in a strange home yeah. relatively speaking and all of a sudden, the main source of information 
from my old stomping grounds where that, that was the thing that I, my whole life yeah. was, uh, was around it. Mm -hmm. And that big chunk is all that emotional connection with the old country. It is practically gone because that kind of emotion is different yeah. than you have with the relationship with your siblings. Yeah. So how often would she normally write to you up until that point? Once oh, I week? would get about two letters a week. Two letters, okay. So that's a fair amount of communication. Yeah, okay. and, uh, and I had no trouble writing mm -hmm. because uh, I had all kinds of experiences yeah. and I went into far greater details. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish she had sent me my letters back, but she probably burned them all. Mm -hmm. Not that it matters any. Uh, I didn't save hers either. But uh, so you get this letter. Is this just before you head off to Toronto, or is this that is does this uh, your decision? I was uh, working my way through. Uh, it didn't really. Uh, it was not the fact that I lost my girlfriend so much, as I lost my correspondence, mm. because my brothers and sisters they might me once a month, yeah. uh, if I was lucky, mm -hmm. once every couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but uh, they were a bit more and I was alone. Mm -hmm. So I had to write each one of them and, uh, or oh, you write this week and I write next week and I, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, as long as there was still that, yeah. that connection. But uh, I, uh, I was on my own again, I was uh, a single, single man. And uh, again, I, I didn't have to look for a place uh, to let a girlfriend come over because that was out. That made it a bit easier. I could take more time before she gets restless. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so when are you going to uh, call me over and uh, things like that? Because a lot of times she wrote and it'll be so nice to meet you and uh, are you going to uh, buy me roses when I arrived there yeah. because I gave her roses when I left gotcha. and she's out, you know, yeah. uh, symbolic. Yeah. And uh, uh, I wasn't even thinking of roses, but anyhow, I saved myself some money there yeah. because roses are a lot more expensive here than they were back home. So anyhow, uh, that need was felt or eliminated rather and I decided to go to Toronto. So we're almost done here at the end of the hour. Oh. So I just, and that's why I just, it's a nice yeah. kind of gap. So you've kind of got the fact that you've you've come over, you've had half a year's experience yeah. of all the different things in Canada. Yeah. And kind of the, one of the reasons you came over to stab yourself yeah. was to bring Francie over. And it sounds like that kind of need is no longer there. So you're, I guess, more free yeah. inside Canada. Yeah, free is the world. Yeah. Because I didn't have to, like, uh, uh, if I was to, take that girl out to the movies yep. again, it's a different dimension because I could really uh, sit there, we could uh, we, we could be kissing and decking and what have you, instead of just uh, sitting there talking to each other right. like friends. Yeah. Uh, it never got to the next stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the opportunity arose, mm -hmm. and I think it could have come to that, right. uh, I knew enough French and uh, Going out with a girl in French is a different experience than in another language. Mm -hmm. It is a language that really lends itself for expressing your emotions, so to speak, yeah. especially emotions of love and affection. Right. 
international language of love. It is, yeah, indeed. I, I found out. But anyhow, I, uh, uh, it never happened, and uh, I went to Toronto. Okay. And <laughs> that, uh, I thought, well, somewhere along the line, it'll even out. I go from Port Churchill to Sudbury. Mm. I managed to get through, and I have this, just like with this COVID-19, then the graph goes up a little bit, mm. and then it flattens out, yeah. and you go for a little ways, and then it goes up again, and then all of a sudden it takes a plunge. Mm. And I thought, I'm going to hit that plateau somewhere when I go to Toronto, because there is over a million people in Toronto, surely. Right. There's room for one more. Right. And... Uh, Little did I know. Well, there you go. That's a perfect way to segue for next week. So I think okay, I'll uh, I'll unpack my suitcase in Toronto. Yeah, next week. Okay, thanks very much, and we'll talk to everyone next week. Okay.